Good afternoon and welcome to the show. So lots going on in the headlines in real estate this week as usual. And you know, it seems like every single week I start off the show the same way. But just to give you a quick update on who's going to be joining me this hour, I've got Mr. Mike Chesofsky and he is Executive Vice President at CBRE. CBRE, the biggest uh, commercial industrial real estate brokerage in the world. We're going to be talking about what's going on in the development world in the GTA area. Also, uh, our office buildings really going to be uh, running out of space as well. Well, lots of reports to talk to you about that today. And later in the hour, I've got minutes with the mayor. And you know what? We're going to go a little bit east. We're going to Pickering. And I've got Mr. David Ryan joining me. And we're going to have a great conversation about Pickering. So are you interested about it? Is it just a suburb or is it one of the best growing cities in the Golden Horseshoe area? Now, in the news, of course, everybody, the stats came out finally after we got through the month of July. Prices have dropped by $173,000 for a detach since April when we had our peak. And of course, so many people are sitting there saying the sky's falling. Um, I just want to keep reiterating a couple of things because I really struggle with the way the news run their headlines and you know I'm sitting there with my daughter in Swiss LA the other day and we're waiting for our family pack and we're looking up at the screen of course and I'm looking at it and it says you know real estate drops by 40% and it's like ah oh boy I struggle with the way they are positioning some of the stats the 40% of course was the number of units sold not the price now agreed the prices have come down they've stabilized but at the same time why is it that they always have to lead with the biggest number you know why don't we turn around and say, great, so Richmond Hill down by 53%. Well, that means your value's in half, because that's the natural perception. Not everybody understands that we're talking about the actual activity, not the value. And so this is where panic uh, can happen. And I want everybody to understand we're not in this massive drop-off. Most people are going to equate our market to Vancouver. And by the way, Vancouver's numbers have uh, started to rebound. I'll talk to, you, talk to you about that in a minute. Um, but one of the things that we are finding to be uh, quite, quite interesting is the fact that office space is now starting to become a premium. And uh, as I mentioned, I'm going to have uh, the executive vice president, Mr. Mike Chesahovsky, on in a little while. We're going to be talking about that, that, uh, you know, for the longest time, all we've heard about is, you know, the condominium market, detached market, and where was the actual market going when we were talking about the commercial end of things? Well, you know what, there is a shortage. And apparently some of the builders are starting to realize it and they're starting to uh, to start to make that market, uh, you know, more attractive for people with new developments. So does that mean the condo market's gonna change up a little? Or for that matter, as we know, thank you to Kathleen Wynn, um, a lot of the builders, developers are deciding not to build the purpose-built apartment buildings. And, you know, we've got an inventory problem. No matter what, inventory for either buyers, but how about renters? And with the government saying that, uh, you know, they're looking at implementing rent control, and I know a lot of you uh, can justify rent control and some of you cannot. Um, at the end of the day, though, uh, that's just going to put a real wrench into inventory, and we're seeing a lot of that coming through. Um, hey, listen, you want to know an interesting uh, fact, and for those of you in the core of the GTA, um, I think a lot of you, if you're, if you're looking to gas up your car, 
there's becoming less and less gas stations around. I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, down in the Vancouver area, one of the, the local gas stations, kind of in the hub, because the real estate's becoming so valuable, they actually sold it for over $35 million for a gas station. $35 million. This is, you know, this is not a huge piece of land. And nowadays, there is so much demand for land in the core area that we're finding less and less gas stations around because they're being redeveloped. So I don't know, does that mean electric cars are going to be probably the most advantageous thing to have over uh, over the next little while? Uh, interesting stuff in the news, though. Taking a look at some of the some of the uh, reports that have been popping up, and some people are actually saying the Toronto real estate market picks up after lull. And in fact, there is some pockets, and we have to define them as pockets. And I, I think the best way you could turn around and say is location, location, location. But there are some pockets that are still selling in multiple offers. In fact, in uh, one of the areas just near King, there was a condominium that actually sold $100,000 over the asking price with 16 offers last week. Now, does that make a lot of sense? I mean, you know, we hear the market's going down, but yet there are these pockets that are still realizing, you know, some of the highest sale prices. So when we start talking about numbers, I'm pretty sure some markets are down more than that, you know, that that initial uh, knee-jerk reaction, and then some are still maintaining themselves. So again, just depends on what pocket you're looking at. There are still opportunities out there, but you're just going to have to decide which one that you are going after. Now, another stat coming out this week, interestingly enough, is the fact that Toronto is now deemed to be one of the biggest technology hubs period. There are a lot of technology companies that are finding Toronto as their home. And and so what we're looking at is the fact that they employ over 70,000 people in the Toronto area, some of these some of these companies. And it's incredible because if you take a look at it being technology hub, um, they say that right now that they've been adding in fact sorry let me let me let, let me rephrase that number 212,000 people right now is uh, is what's happening in the marketplace and the city has added 22,500 tech jobs between 2015 and 2016 and that was more than New York and San Francisco combined so that means that you know we're we're starting to obviously attract a lot more companies and by doing that that means you could attract a lot more residents so this goes back to that whole analogy of when we talk about residential real estate, you know, who is buying it? Well, if we're attracting that many people into the city for jobs, where are they going to live? They're either renting or they're buying. And so again, the, the analogy that this whole market was driven by foreign buyers, I would say, uh, is way off base. And I think we're going to start seeing the market, you know, again, Stabilize is probably the word I'm looking for. But remember, we're in the summer right now. Uh, here we are coming up to the middle of August. People will start uh, start getting ready for school. This is a typical real estate market. We always see the numbers drop off as far as volume when we go through a summer market. 
even though last year we didn't see it in 2016. By the way, if you bought last year, this time your property is worth about 5% more. So that seems like a normal market to me. And we'll wait and see how the fall uh, fares. But Vancouver, by the way, is now starting to get past their original peak number, which fell off from May of 2016. If you remember, they were the first ones to implement the foreign buyer tax, which ended up tanking their market for a very short period of time. And it did have a steep drop off. And now over the last six months, we've started to see it go up and stabilize itself. And now if it was foreign buyers that were driving the market, then either they're accepting the 15% tax or more people are coming into the market. There has been some, uh, some reference to maybe the foreign buyers have uh, figured out a workaround. But truth be told, I think that people are just realizing that the marketplace is solid. So when we take a look at Toronto, is it that psychological issue that everybody's been talking about? I'd have to say yes, I think it is. And uh, I think that once we get through this over the next little while, we'll watch what happens in the fall if the Bank of Canada announces another rate increase. And again, interestingly enough, um, you know, even the provincial, sorry, even the federal government is kind of weighing in saying, hey, listen, Bank of Canada, you know, don't get too crazy with increasing interest rates. Uh, you know, you might tank the economy. So I think that it's going to be a very interesting uh, finish to the year as far as where we are real estate wise. But again, I'll try to keep you up to date on all the hot topics. Um, if you remember last week, um, I had uh, I had one of the directors from Rico join us and I had a lot of phone calls actually this past week, people just asking me for information. And a lot of people have started to, you know, call foul on some of the agents uh, that are out there. And apparently Rico is now uh, getting more and more complaints because most people did not know the avenue to go with. Now, um, just to kind of uh, cover over a couple of things, I just wanted to make some clarity because, again, it's really, really tough to, to fight something when you sign a contract, when you've done your initials and all your signatures. If you haven't read the contract, that is probably the hardest thing to fight. So if you're going to Rico saying, you know, I didn't know that I signed a contract with an agent to be my buyer representative for all of Ontario. Well, you didn't read the contract before you signed it. And so the one thing you have to understand is that Rego can only take the paperwork that is given to them by you, analyze it and see if there was any changes that were not correct or if you made any side deals. Now side deals, it was interesting because I did have a gentleman reach out to me and, and talk to me about some form of a side deal that was made and the side deal actually put him at more risk and he had to pay some extra money. And what has to happen, folks, is that whenever you enter into any relationship with uh, with real estate, make sure you have it in writing. Make sure you spell it out properly and make sure you read it because we don't want people obviously to end up at the end of the day feeling that they've been taken advantage of, lose money or tied into a contract longer than they should. Buyer agency, really um, a lot of times if you're dealing with a listing agent, uh, always a cautionary tale there. We'll see what the government decides to do with that. But ultimately in the end, if you are signing a buyer agency, you, know, you can always renew your buyer agency. So long-term is not necessarily 
necessary. Same with your listing. You know, hey, listen, there are some listings that will expire if the market does slow down enough, and then you have a right to decide who do you want to list with. Keep in mind your term of your listing or your agreement with any agent. So important that you understand what you are signing on the dotted line. So keep that in mind always. And like I said, uh, later in the hour, I have the mayor of Pickering joining me, Mr. David Ryan with uh, Minutes with the Mayor. And coming up after the break, I've got returning guest, Mr. Mike Chesahovsky, and he is the uh, executive vice president at CBRE. We're going to be talking all about commercial real estate. You're listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. If you need to reach me, remember, go to thesimpleinvestor.com. And uh, we've got a lot going on. And uh, we've got a lot coming up in the fall. So when we come back, we've got more. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, my next guest is returning, which is always wonderful to have returning guests. It's Mr. Mike Chestahovsky, and he is Executive Vice President of CBRE. And Mike, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Always a pleasure to have you. Um, not everybody, I, I mean, here, let me let me rephrase this. I was about to say, not everybody knows what CBRE is. Everybody sees the the acronym CBRE out there in the real world. Uh, it's funny because if anybody drives by anything I think that is commercial or um, in, you know, industrial, you, you see the signs everywhere. But maybe you can tell us a little bit about CBRE before we get sure. started. Uh, CBRE is the world's largest commercial real estate company. We're a public company traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, we not only do brokerage, retail, office, industrial, land, uh, we manage properties. We currently do everything for the province. We do a lot of the numbers of banks. So property management, facility management, mortgage brokerage, uh, full containment of uh, facilities. Wow. How many employees does CBRE have? Over 70,000. Wow. That's huge. I mean, that's that, that puts you up in you know the top stratosphere of companies. And, and especially when you start thinking of real estate, you know, that's, that's a lot of people. Today, we're the in-house real estate uh, broker for a lot of the big Fortune 500. You know, the large companies can no longer handle their real estate. They're so diverse. They're so spread throughout the world. CB's in 60 countries, and we can handle everything from 2,000 square feet in Singapore to 100,000 square feet in Manhattan. Wow. Okay. Well, you know what? That definitely gives you a big reach. Let's talk about the Canadian market, of course. This is why I have you in. Um, you know, a lot of stuff going on in the news. I'm going to break it down kind of slowly, okay? Because right now, um, you know, the, the, the government's implemented a bunch of things. It was more residential. Are you finding, and, and, and you and I are really going to break this one down today, but are, are you finding the market is still really strong in the commercial industrial industry right now? Yes. The first person they'll stop calling is me. Right. The last thing an institutional or a private developer wants to buy is land that has no carrying income right. if he feels the market is on a downturn. Sure. Today, it's still active. There's still a lot of money around. Right. You know, because it's interesting because I, and I'm pretty sure you still follow the pace of the residential real estate. And, and you know, we've been watching, you know, this huge, huge run up. You and I had this conversation before about residential, um, you know, that you saw a huge run up through right up until April, you know, probably markets at 
I don't think I've ever seen one run like this before, you know, to that kind of feverish pitch. And now over the last few months, we've seen that market, you know, soften, you know, some people are screaming, the sky's falling. You, you on the other side are sitting there saying, no, 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 you guys are reading this market wrong. And, you know, you know, we've talked inventory issues and all that sort of stuff, and we'll get to that in a minute. But um, you, you haven't seen that fall off in your, in your part of real estate. Not at all. The condo market's as good as it's ever been. We're at a 15-year low for inventory. Since the announcement in April of the 15% tax, we've seen a number of launches do extremely well. Yeah. You know, today, uh, sorry, this week, we saw in the uh, in the news, actually, them saying that, um, you know, since, the, you know, they always call the recession 2008 and 09, right? And I, I don't know if I completely agree. You know, our real estate market might have fluctuated a little. But ultimately, in the end, uh, they're saying that greatest number of starts, like actually building permits are released uh, at this time than they've seen in the last few years. Does that make a lot of sense to you? Because, I mean, we've got an inventory problem, but we've got all these building permits that's being released. Well, don't forget, this stuff was sold, could be a year ago, two years ago, six months ago. So the developers do see these inventory coming up ahead of time, and they sell into a forward market. Uh, okay. So let's talk about the cycle then. Okay. You and I are going to get to all sorts of stuff today, but let's talk about the cycle of a developer. You know, one of the things that you you, you and I talked about on our last show that you came in on um, was that we're basically looking at a kind of invent- real inventory shortage, let's say 2019, 2020. You said we kind of, we're going to hit that wall where, you know, if 15,000 units are completed, let's say this year, maybe we're only going to see maybe, I think I think the number you and I were throwing around was like eight, eight or 9,000 based on the building permits that have been released. But if that's the case, you know, um, what is the true cycle of some uh, of, of a company, a builder, when we start talking about this kind of stuff? If you're buying a raw piece of land downtown for a condo right. that doesn't have a development in place, approvals in place, generally two to three years for the development okay. to be approved, you have a cycle of probably six to 12 months for sales to achieve somewhere around 75, 80%, mm-hmm. and then two to three years to build it. Right. Okay. So it, it is a major length of time from the time they initially buy the land to the time that they're delivering the units to the customers. Right. So if somebody's purchasing, I mean, five, six, seven years can be an easy, easy cycle for most. Easy. Yeah. And on single family homes, right. on raw land, probably longer. Now, why is that? Is that because they have to bring in, first of, first and foremost, all the utilities? You know, Infrastructure is, is always yeah. difficult because they have to upfront the cost for the municipalities. Right. Approval process. It's a long, arduous process. And a lot of times, in order to get the land, they have to buy it well before development approvals are even close. Right. You know, it's interesting because if you drive out, you know, in the outskirts of the GTA, you know, let's say you're driving through Milton or Campbellville or some of those areas are up on, you know, Highway 10 or any of them, you know, you see all this land there. And then, of course, you see, you will see a CBRE for sale side, um, you know, and, and it will, you know, sometimes there's a little of the catchphrase prime, prime land for development, you know, 70 acres, that kind of thing. But, you know, from that process, you know, you, you, you've mentioned, you know, we've got we've to get all the infrastructure into place. Um, if somebody's looking at acquiring or holding that land, you know, they can be five, ten years before they can build on it. Is that right? Yes, at least. It, it is not for the meek of heart or the, or the short of money. It's a long-term process. So I'm going to put you on the hot seat for a second. Politically, okay, Kathleen Wynne, when she threw that shotgun approach to us back in the spring, she said that she's going to try to expedite 
um, you know, development, meaning make, make the process less difficult. Any of that on the horizon? We haven't seen those plans materialize yet. <laughs> we're, we're very hopeful. I have an 18-year-old son, and I hope he can afford to buy a house. Right. The supply issue, uh, I think, is the one thing that's driving prices up and continuing to affect us. If she modifies that plan, it would be very helpful. Okay, that was very politically correct. So you didn't want to stick your neck out <laughs> on this. Uh, let me guess. You're going to have lunch with her in the next couple of weeks, and we, you don't want her to get... No, uh, she doesn't call me anymore. She doesn't call me no. anymore. It's funny. you know. She's not calling me lately either. I guess I've been bashing her a little bit too much. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the truth is, is that uh, there was a lot of commitment um, made in, in this massive approach, and I don't know if they'll be able to really expedite you know, the building process. I know a lot of people are complaining about it. So This was a long-term problem that started 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and it's going to take a long term to solve Solution. it. Yeah, it, it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, great. Listen, Mike, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, though, I want to get a little bit more in depth with you on what's happening, where the demand is sitting in the real estate market for both commercial, um, you know, investment real estate, all sorts of areas. So, um, folks, I'm uh, joined by uh, Mike Chesahovsky, and he's going to be back with us when we come back right after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is Mr. Mike Chestahovsky, and he is the executive vice president at CBRE. And Mike, just before the break, you and I were talking about um, the kind of supply and demand issues. Uh, you and I uh, have talked about this previously on other shows. And some of the issues that we've found is the fact that, you know, the builders can't build enough. The process is taking longer than anybody wishes it would. Um, just to kind of cap this off if if we if we had all the permits if everything was green lighted what is your typical let's let's take your typical tower that's being built nowadays in the gta area uh 50 stories you know it seems like that's kind of average nowadays <laughs> might even be deemed small um from a construction standpoint you know barring any kind of issues of strikes or anything else what is that normal completion time uh, two to three years two to three years depending on the builder and the issues with the site how tight the site is if it's downtown these days it gets yeah tough, that's tough yeah tough to, to stage it um but two to three years is typical two, two to three years okay so so Right now, um, you know, there's a huge demand coming up for things such as office buildings. You know, <clears throat> interesting that a lot of stuff is coming out in the news where, you know, office office supply is tightening up. You know, builders have been focusing so much in the last little while residentially looking at condos. Um, you know, with the wind government kind of sticking their nose in with a more of, um, you know, uh, making uh, rent control all the way across the board. You know, we heard a bunch of builders that were thinking of doing purpose-built apartment style. Um, are you finding any of them backtracking right now? Uh, definitely. Some of the institutional ones, the pension funds, not so much. But the private families really want to see the effect long-term, uh, how this rent control is, is going to look at the final numbers. So if, we, if we've if we got a rental issue here in the city, you know, and that's one of the big things that we do, you know, they're, they're saying vacancy is at like an all-time loan, basically. Um, you know, what, is it sensical to throw in rent control so you, you stop the guys who were going to build the, the you know, apartment-style buildings? Now you're asking me to stick my neck out. That's here. okay. <laughs> you know what? It's okay to have an opinion. We, again, this is, this is <laughs> and, and I, I won't push you on it. But, I, but the truth is we do need apartment-style buildings, do we not? For the first time in 20 years, we were building 
apartment built, purpose built <coughs> rentals again. Other than condo stock, it right. was our new things. And that pushes everything up from a C building, C goes to B to goes to A. Sure. And it helps everything along the way. Yeah. This will stop it. Yeah, of course. You know, so I think what the government wanted to do was in terms of improve the rental stock to increase it, I think it's gonna have the opposite, opposite effect. effect. Opposite effect. Of course. So let's 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 skip forward over to um, office buildings. You know, one of the one of the things that we were we were looking at and a lot of companies nowadays, you know, they're 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 downsizing their offices because they think that they can do more work, work live style kind of stuff. But truth be told, there's not a lot of inventory out there. Are the builders starting to build office towers again? Yes. They're looking at it. We're seeing new inventory come on. Some of our large institutional developers are looking at building offices sometimes the government mandates office in conjunction with getting condos approved which is fine the mixed-use type of buildings and Toronto's the new high-tech center of North America if you saw the reports come out it's one of the best high-tech sectors and they're building into that high-tech sector and that's eating up a lot of space yeah I was alluding to that a little bit earlier in the show actually um, you know I did catch a lot of the new the new reports out that Toronto is the number one market now for growth in the tech center uh, in North America and you know it's one of the top places I mean Toronto's a world-class city I mean it's not it's not surprising that now one of the biggest industries in the world is finding a good home in Toronto. And we have very bright young people that are feeding into that sector, and those companies are coming here to attract those those kids. So how do how do you meet the needs? I mean, you know, you're 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 part of the biggest company in the world for this avenue of, of use of real estate, and yet, you know, it seems like a lot of people are scrambling for inventory streamline the process as we we talked about yeah. don't don't make it so arduous that it takes two or three years let's encourage it let's not put on any uh, additional development charges if you make it easy they'll come here and we make have to make them feel welcome you know it, it's kind of it's kind of that um, you know cart before the horse though so let's let's just suppose that they they, they free it up a little and, and we can bring in more people to to employ okay so we we build up more office buildings then we've got the residential issue because now everybody's saying well we don't have enough residential you know it's kind of it, it's that give and take so you, you you give some residential which means you've got more people that means you can employ more people in the downtown core um, is there a height problem in Toronto? I mean, look, we don't have any more real estate. Should we be going taller? Should should they turn around and say, if you're going to build, you should be building a 70-story building, not a 50-story building? Should they start mandating more of that? Yes, but that makes logic. <laughs> That's logical. Today, definitely. If we don't have density in the core and on our transit lines, where are we going to put it? Sure. So that definitely we need more density on obvious places. But there is pushback on approval process even though we're on blur street on the subway when we want to do density right now push back because they're they're giving a height limitation is that right not in my backyard okay and a lot of that comes from the residents from the councillor getting a lot of pressure yep saying we don't want height in our area you know we hear a lot about that and people are saying that we're eating up all of our nice uh heritage or historical properties by knocking it down you know one, one of the things that I, comes to mind is that that corner where stollaries used to be and now they're going to be you know they they want to put up something i think it's over 80 stories or something like yes. that and you know it's i mean that'll be a fairly exciting development but at the same time there's a lot of people saying yes but you're getting rid of all these old buildings i mean they you know the building wasn't exactly in the best of shape it wasn't 
the best purpose. But can can a city like Toronto keep doing that? Can we can we start turning around and saying, listen, you know what? We we, we need this. We need to put the density in. You know, I uh, a couple of months ago I had somebody on saying that you know biggest complaint about some of these residential properties is that they only have one or two people living in them. So they should be you know they should have have five people living in them. And now now people are saying you know how many people should be living in a house. Um, is is it possible that there can be a happy balance? I mean, you know, you're front and center. You are watching the, the, the you know the biggest players in the industry try to develop a world class city, but yet it seems like you guys are always handcuffed on it. Very much so. The historical part of it, we can keep facades, we can build in parts of building, but don't hamper the development to keep a 200 year old building. We have to remember we are a world class city. CB believes we're one of the top markets in the world. And we want to not hold up developments to keep half a house. Let's move it. Let's retain it. Let's build it into the building. Right. We've seen it done, and the builders know how to do it. If you allow them more density to achieve a better threshold on pricing, they will absorb that cost of keeping that building you know again it's it's a double-edged sword you've got your your residents of the downtown core you know they don't they want to live there but they don't want anybody else living there um, you know everybody wants to push into the outer markets you know saying well you know why can't you live outside the GTA you know go east or west but then you've got the commute so there is the there is those you know those downtown people that just you know they they must and want to live in an area close to work easy commute you know use public transit not cars as much um, I, I don't know if there's a solution, but I don't know who can come up with a solution. I think the government's approach is they always want to get their hands, you know, uh, filled. You know, they're always looking for the tax dollars. But at the same time, they're, they're, they're hampering any of the development that a lot of these big builders are coming in to do. Um, you know, one of one of the things that uh, one of the things that we've we we've been watching obviously is kind of the development around the waterfront, and um, I I think it was it was it the Harbor Castle that sold recently. Um, are they are they going to do some redevelopment in the area? Are we seeing more and more happening down there? I think so. I think they're they're fighting with a transportation problem, and but they're looking at some very large densities. If you look at One Young Street, the type of density they're applying for, the Toronto Star Building, LCBO. Right. All these, what you call more warehouse, industrial type of facilities, right. will be redeveloped. Right. And are they going to put a height restriction there because we're at the waterfront? I think they'll push height. The developer will push height. Right. Personally, I think height should be allowed. Right. And density should be encouraged. One of the reasons Toronto is such a vibrant city is because people live there. The sidewalks don't roll up at 5 o'clock. It's busy at night. It's safe. Sure. So let's have people living and working within the same areas. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, no, that makes a lot of sense. Well, Mike, always a pleasure having you on the show. And uh, great to get some good information. Um, best a way for people to reach CBRE? CBREland.ca. Excellent. Well, always a pleasure having you as my guest, and thank you so much for joining me today. Folks, that was Mr. Mike Chesahovsky, and he is Executive Vice President at CBRE. Always a pleasure. When we come back, we've got minutes with the mayor, so stay with us. We'll be right back after this. 
And welcome back. Just before the break, as I mentioned, we've got our Minutes with the Mayor this week. And this week, we are featuring Pickering. That's right, the city to the east of Toronto. And I'd like to welcome in Mr. Mayor David Ryan. Mr. Mayor, welcome to the show. Thanks, Todd. Great to be with you. Mr. Mayor, I'm not sure if everybody really knows a lot about Pickering. You know, of course, everybody thinks it's kind of more of a suburb to Toronto. But perhaps you can give us a a little bit of a breakdown. Tell us about Pickering. I've got lots of questions for you uh, today because there's a lot going on in Pickering and they're very exciting. Well, thank you. And uh, you're right. Uh, there are a lot of misconceptions about our municipality. Uh, people do think of us as a suburb. And, and in fact, we are an emerging uh, municipality with both a, an urban and a rural component. Uh, we do border Toronto and Markham uh, along the uh, along the Rouge River corridor. And uh, we're the uh, home to the Pickering Nuclear Station. Uh, we have a burgeoning downtown. Uh, we are one of the fastest-growing communities in the GTA. Uh, we are going to have uh, approximately 75,000 new residents over the next uh, 20 years, and, and that's confirmed growth. We have huge job potential that's associated with that. A lot of economic development activity occurring, award-winning libraries, excellent education system, uh, and I could go on and on, but I think uh, you're getting the, the impression, I hope, uh, that uh, we are are a very dynamic community uh, that uh, is welcoming, uh, certainly a large uh, multicultural uh, component to us. And um, we are uh, looking forward to uh, seeing people come to come to our municipality. Excellent. You know, Mr. Mayor, one of the things about Pickering that, uh, you know, I'm able to follow, obviously, is the growth. And you mentioned that there is quite a, a quite an increase in population over the next few years. Um, one of the things, though, that I think that Pickering has done exceptionally well is that you're also very cautious with your development. You're not just putting the cart before the horse, you know, racing to get more bodies in. You're actually working on your infrastructure. Can you explain some of the things that has been happening in the Pickering area? You know, you've been, you know, doing redoing some of the areas, you know, adding a lot. Um, can you explain what's going on? Well, there's significant uh, investment has been made by the uh, the city of Pickering, the region of Durham, of which we're a part, uh, and the provincial and federal governments uh, to improve uh, the infrastructure uh, across the region, and particularly here in Pickering. Uh, so, uh, example of that would be our uh, Highway Two corridor, which is the uh, runs uh, right through Durham region, but is the spine in uh, Pickering, in the south end of Pickering, that is being widened to uh, support the uh, bus rapid transit system that is uh, that's running right across the municipality. This will give us bus service uh, on a, uh, a seven-and-a-half-minute uh, cycle through the rush hour uh, and uh, 15 minutes in, uh, in uh, off-peak hours. And this connects directly to uh, the GO train uh, here in the city of Pickering, uh, which can get you into downtown Toronto, uh, if anybody actually wants to do that, in, uh, in 20 to 25 minutes. Uh, we have uh, the 401, which has been expanded uh, through Pickering, and and uh, further east, uh, those expansions uh, are continuing and certainly required. Uh, we have the 407, uh, which is uh, now going beyond Pickering uh, through to um, currently uh, terminating in Oshawa at Harmony Road, but will continue on through to 35-115, uh, so we'll go right across the region as well. 
We're also expanding uh, the major north-south routes, uh, Whites Road and Brock Road as well, so we have uh, straight connections from 407 to 401. So uh, our Durham Rapid Transit system is expanding. The uh, ridership has increased tenfold over the last 10 years and uh, continues to do so, and we continue to enhance and, uh, and add routes as appropriate. So with that growth, and thank you for acknowledging it, uh, we are forward-thinking in terms of ensuring that the infrastructure matches the growth process. Folks, if you're just joining us, I'm joined by the Mayor of Pickering, Mr. David Ryan. And Mr. Mayor, um, you have a designation by one of the magazines that says one of Canada's greenest mayors. Um, You know, that's a great designation to have. Can you help us with that? Pickering was one of the first municipalities to uh, create a Department of Sustainability that uh, ensures that there's a balance between the economic, uh, the social or infrastructure growth, and our environment as a whole. Our sustainability uh, program is mindful of our natural heritage that we enjoy here in the city of Pickering, and we have both an urban and a rural component. With all of the development that is occurring within our municipality, at the end of that, when it's completely built out, we know and we're confident that 60% of our municipality will remain either in natural heritage or um, in the green systems such as uh, agriculture. That's a pretty significant uh, achievement for uh, what is arguably an intense urban environment. So, Mr. Mayor, one of the things that um, you know we always like to know uh, in, in communities, um, who are you finding really uh, as the growth factor in the city of Pickering? Are we looking at a lot of young couples that are, that are you know, setting up, you know, future family homes. Um, you know, when we take a look at real estate, you know, we know that uh, Toronto uh, and, and, and the GTA has had quite a run-up over the last, you know, few years. And, you know, it's interesting to find out where our demographics are going. Is Pickering kind of the, uh, you know, a, a more of a retirement city or is it more for young families? No, actually, we have a very good mix. Uh, we used to be one of the youngest municipalities in the GTA and there's a gradual aging process that's occurring. But again, with all of this new development, we are getting uh, an influx of young families uh, to the community, which is, which is terrific in terms of the vibrancy that it brings. And we support that in the, in the many ways. We have, uh, in fact, been designated a, a youth-friendly community with a platinum status by the province of Ontario. And um, we have uh, do that through the uh, Playworks and Parks Recreation Ontario program. Right. Just one example. We have an award-winning library. Last year, the Pickering uh, Public Library was uh, designated as the best reading program in all of Canada, summer reading program. Uh, we have, uh, as I mentioned, an excellent education system. We are a very diverse community. We enjoy a 40% diversity rate, and uh, with the development that's occurring and the new people that are moving in, we know that that diversity rate is uh, only going to increase. I brag that every language in the world is spoken somewhere on the streets of Pickering, and, and I do mean that I brag about that. It's something that, <laughs> that we hold very dear. We have a number of community festivals and events throughout the year that celebrates that diversity. Uh, we were one of the first municipalities in the GTA to uh, recognize India Independence Day as an example and raised the flag a few weeks ago we had the Filipino festival Santa Cruzan that's become an annual event here in our municipality Italian events and you name it the city of Pickering is celebrating it and uh, I'm very very pleased uh, about that as well
Well, that's that's wonderful to know. Mr. Mayor, one of the things that um, recently the provincial government had implemented was a foreign buyer tax. Um, do you think that will have any kind of adverse effect in the Pickering area? You know, we know certain municipalities have been affected by it, but is this something that can affect Pickering? Do you find that there's a lot of foreign buyers coming in? I, I think there has been some of that right across the GTA, and we're certainly not immune to it. Uh, however, I don't think it's been a significant factor here, and, and uh, I, I'm not I'm not seeing any direct uh, significant effect at, the, at this time. Uh, as I say, the, uh, the growth continues, and, and uh, the sales uh, are continuing at the same pace uh, here in Pickering, uh, largely because of the new development that's known as Seton, and that's where those 75,000 people are coming in. So with 30,000 uh, approximately housing units to be built over the next 20 years. Uh, I'm sure there will be some speculation, but uh, again, not significant. One of the things that you know we're well aware of is that Pickering, the prices have had a had a nice increase. You know, basically for the people that are living there, they're starting to see real value coming into Pickering. Pickering's always been a very affordable marketplace, and I still believe that based on numbers, it still is. So it's it's a wonderful place for people to move to. It is very much so. It is uh, relatively uh, economical. We are um, competitive in, in all of our rates, the housing rate, the the, the tax rates, etc. Um, we are well positioned within the GTA in terms of our proximity to, well, Toronto and Markham and the larger centres. But we have so much uh, to offer right here in our own community that uh, there really isn't a, a great need to travel that far afield. Well, Mr. Mayor, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today and telling us more about Pickering. Any last thoughts you want to share with our listeners? Thank you very much, and I would just invite everybody to come and explore. Uh, there are great things to do here in the city uh, all through the year. And we have, uh, you know, our waterfront trail. Come and enjoy the small city charm uh, with the uh, big city potential. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. David Ryan, he is the mayor of Pickering. And uh, I'd just like to uh, thank uh, my other guest uh, this hour, Mr. Mike Chestahovsky from CBRE. Always great to have him on and giving us an update on everything in the commercial market. I want to thank my producer, Ian Grant. He always makes it simple for me every single week. And of course, I want to thank you for tuning in. And remember, next week, I'll be back again, same hour, 3 p.m. on Saturday. So I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.